Hey folks, it's Tomo, Sean, and Andrew from What's Going On Here. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. Or wherever you stream your favorite podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Fascinating to me to see history distorted just from the time when I was a kid. Hey, everyone's praising Reagan to be this just amazing president. And the fact that everybody's missing out on just a couple of key factors, and all you have to know is just a little bit of history, right? Is one, he was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And they're like, oh yeah, when he was old. Alzheimer's doesn't like wait till your 80s to kick in. And he was president when he was 77. And I, I think at the time, he was the oldest president, like, ever. Yeah, I think up until Trump got elected, he was the oldest president. Like, very, from my, the time of getting elected, right? I, I, I believe so. So there's that. Two, Bush Sr. was Jimmy Carter's head of the CIA. He gets selected to be the vice president. And I remember in the 80s, they always used to talk about how Bush hated the fact that no one ever talked about him. He was always in the background. You never heard any news about him, anything at all. And then he runs for president, and he picks a guy who's dumb as a stump. And if you read Colin Powell's book, when they were doing the negotiations with Gorbachev, Reagan didn't know his head from his ass, basically. But they keep on talking about this great president. But the whole point is, it's like, no. And, I, and I'll say it till the day I die. Reagan was never president. Bush was president for 12 years. He was Carter's head of the CIA. Then the Iran-Contra affair comes out. You, you're telling me he didn't know about that? And then he gets picked to be freaking Reagan's running mate? There's just too many coincidences there for, for my liking, you know? But like I said, the, the history now is like, Reagan is the best president there ever was. It's like, what? What are you talking about? Well, like, even you like Trump. Already history is, it's like short-term memory. All the fucking people in the world that are now clamoring on W is like he's the savior of the Republican Party because he doesn't like Trump because he said mean things to his fucking little brother. Like, and now all of a sudden they're like, yeah, he's yeah, a good yeah, book is good. <laughs> 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 this is a dude who can tie his shoes. What are you people talking about? But yeah, I mean, it's like everything. The fucking yeah. Middle East, Iraq, Afghanistan. Like, what are you talking about? It, it, it's, it's, it's fascinating to see the willingness of, of the populace to just accept stuff as rote. It's like, wait a minute, you were there. You know, I, and I'm not talking about people who were like six when this happened. I'm talking about people my own age. It's like, dude, you were, you were almost finishing high school when Reagan was still president. Is this what you remember? Yeah. I worry. But, about that with Trump, I worry that Trump is going to end up being remembered as he was that breakthrough president that made it that anyone could be president. Before him, it had to be career politicians, these smart people that went to Harvard and had a career in politics. He broke the door down for, for just anyone being the president. <laughs> I, you know, I was, and granted, this is what we do on the show, we go off on tangents. Um, and now we're like in the political tangent. We'll get back to the aliens in a second, people, I promise. Um, I was, we were talking about that with a couple of friends. We had a Zoom meeting the other day. And it was a lot of fun. And we thought we were just chatting for like an hour or so, but it ended up being four hours and I drank a lot of beer. But anyway, um, we were talking about the fact about whether uh, 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 Trump was the idea that Trump is actually super smart and he's just playing a doofus to just like ride this out to like, basically do Putin's bidding or whatever the case may be, or just to, because the, they're stripping everything public and giving it to the super powerful, the super rich, right? They're taking all the money away from the people and giving it to the, to, to, to the relatively few. And, you know, that's the idea that this is all part of Trump's plan. And I was like, I, and COVID-19 kind of cleared that up for me completely. 
because he is so narcissistic for him to miss this opportunity to make himself the savior of 21st century America, too great to ignore. Mm -hmm. Think about it. If he had prepped everything and he made, you know, masks were available and ventilators were really available and the death toll was down into like, you know, 10,000 out of 330 million. In four, one, he would have been reelected without a blink of an eye. Two, in 10 years, people would have said, this is the model of a 21st century president. We got a pandemic. It ripped through the world. Shit went haywire. Not only did he keep the economy, hu hu economy humming, he saved all these lives that would have been lost needlessly. And that would have fed his ego so much for him to not take that opportunity to have the chance to become the greatest president of the 21st century speaks to me just how fucking stupid this guy is. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, oh, he's really? dumber than a box of fucking fried shit, literally. <laughs> it's the perfect opportunity to make yourself into an almost deity, and he fucking blew it. And he's blowing it every fucking chance he gets. Yeah. Every new freaking conference, he keeps blowing it. And it's like, okay, yeah, yeah, no, he's not smart. There's no plan. There's nothing up his sleeve. This guy, you're getting the full picture. This guy is dumb as a box of rocks. His brain has been completely blown by Adderall, and he just fucking, he, yeah, no. And so <laughs> I ask you, alien brethren, please come and rescue us or turn us into food, one or the other. I'll, I'm good with you. <laughs> is it possible that uh -huh. Donald Trump is himself an alien? Yeah, you know what? Many scientists believe this to be the case. I'll say this about the announcer on Ancient Aliens. It's the same announcer, I think, for just like every show on 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 the History Channel. I know that's the same guy. Oak Island. Oak Island. It's the same guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And on Ancient Aliens, he drives me fucking up the wall. Could it be that aliens spoke to Leonardo da Vinci? and slipped him a Mickey when he wasn't looking? Ancient astronaut theorists say yes. And I'm like, do these fuckers ever say no? How many times, every time they cut to a commercial break, he says, blah, 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 ancient, whatever, whatever you said, theorists say yes. And then it cuts away. But then we never see the theorist. We no, never we see never, any no, no. or anyone back up what the narrator said. The narrator's just like, could it be? That instead of everything you were taught in history, it was actually an alien. It's, well, our experts say yes. Yes. I, I mean, I, and I've even posted this question on, question on Twitter. Have these motherfuckers ever said no? Because I swear <laughs> to God, my high school experience would have been so much more awesome if the girls in high school were all ancient astronaut theorists. Because they would have never <laughs> said no. They would have never said no. I'd have been like, hey, you want to go back to my place? My parents aren't home. Yes. Oh, fantastic. I mean, they would have never said no. Instead, they were all like, no, no. They're all hardcore fucking scientists working for the Nobel Prize Committee. Yeah, no, no, no. It's the most infuriating thing. Could it be that this taco was designed by aliens in a cornfield in Sussex, England? Ancient astronaut theorists say yes. <laughs> what I love... It's it's all when they go about the old people, the Da Vinci, the this, the that, that they did this crazy stuff. It's like we're forgetting that old adage of, and Elon Musk is the perfect example. The man's tweets from the past quarantine, the man is losing his mind. It is not a, the the genius madness scale. No, is, it's that's just the way it is, and it's why Dan Brown books sell so well and why they're so incredibly interesting to read. My biggest guilty pleasure is Dan Brown books. I love his books. I've never read any of them. I know they're bullshit, but the reason they work is they're based in fact, because what he's done is he's gone, you know, all these people from history who were geniuses, who did these great, amazing things, whether it's Da Vinci or Galileo or Dante, all these or people. Or Tesla, yeah. Yeah, they did these incredible things guess what? They were also really fucking mental and did a whole bunch of crazy shit. So I'm going to go back in history and find all the mental crazy shit they did that's true and I'm going to tie it into reality and I'm going to say 
this book is based in reality. This really happened and base a fictional story around it. And it works because of that, because it's so fucking crazy. It's, it's amazing that more people haven't done more of that because it, it you just need, and, and this is why ancient aliens works. You know, you'll, you'll throw on your PhD on there. That'll make it look legitimate. And you're like, wait a minute. There's like four guys that like, they're all PhD. They're all legit. But the whole episode, like the treasures of the gods, they just talk about how like they took the treasures and they ran away to hide them and keep them for the aliens. What? And you watch the whole episode. They literally didn't say anything besides, and then they saved it for the aliens. Where? Where did they say? Who, who saved it? Why did they save it? Nothing. Then they saved it for the aliens. And you're just like, wait a minute. When you actually, like, when I watched these, I was actually sober when I watched these. And my enjoyment was so much less in, in, in than it usually is. Because like I said, I have two or three beers and then I watch an episode, it's fucking awesome. But like when you're watching it sober, it's punishment. It's really, really just like, just bad. But I mean, like you, like you said, Sean, it, that's one of the reasons why the hook works. If you do even 30% real and just make shit up, this is why those, whatever, and I can't think off the top of my head of some popular movie that was made, um, they'll say based on real events. And the real event was, you know, like these Charles Manson movies or whatever, or Ted Bundy movies. Like the real event was that he went and bought a bagel on, you know, the corner of 72nd and Broadway. Uh, and that's it. That's the real event. But then they write all this other shit and people go into the movies and they go, oh, my God. It, oh, the 300 was the perfect example. And they're like, it was only 300 Spartans. No, there was like 6,000 Greeks there. But, you know, in the movie, it made it look like there was just these 300 guys against, like, 20,000 freaking Persians coming in. That's what really happened. It wasn't 300 guys alone. There was, like, 6,300 guys. And they all got massacred. That's, that's what happened. But you just have to take, like you said, just a little bit of it and put it in. And people go, like, it's like no. The perfect example, I said, of any of that convenient truth where you say, and it's, some of this shit's a bit ho, uh, close to home, but like when you say, for example, the history books will show post 9-11, it's very convenient to say the Americans and New Yorkers are resilient people and they bounced back and they were stronger than ever and they didn't let it stop them and they were bigger than it. And I would say in the converse, I'm like, I think it's like, a great example of why Britain is so fucked now compared to when we used to run the world in that we don't do therapy. Like <laughs> it's a whole bunch of people sitting there being like, no, I'm fine. I don't need to talk to anyone. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm fine. Who's that man with the beard? Is he Muslim? Yeah. It, like, it's like, it's like, yeah, you just got on with it. It was fine. They're like, no, I don't think it was fine. I think it fucked the whole world up and everyone suddenly completely went crazy. But that's not a, that's too scary a thing to write about. Yeah, no, no, it's, it's. We didn't let it beat us, man. <laughs> well, hey, look, I mean, should I have another beer after I finish this beer? I think ancient astronaut theorists say yes. What, <laughs> what is the, um, based on true events story of the times we're living in right now going to, that's. Honestly, I'm surprised Hallmark Channel hasn't tried to do something on Zoom already. Yeah. Videos of people clapping at seven o'clock. Yeah, 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 yeah. But to, to Sean's point, to Sean's point, I mean, even this and how we got from aliens to this, I don't know. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I think it's great in a lot of ways. A lot of people have come together. But there are pieces of this pandemic that are being glamorized into. But we're still we're still together, and we're still da da. And there, you know, there are commercials on TV now that are literally like. These are strange times, but, and they cut to cell phone videos of people doing the clapping and banging pots and pans, which I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but like, what, what sort of picture are we painting? What is the story going to be 20 years from now? It's, 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 how did we get into this? I don't know. I, 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 well, you know what? It's the, it's the thing. And I will go down a dark path because I'm an asshole. Um, <laughs> But this is like one of those unpopular opinions that I've had forever, where they talk about, you know, whether it's a kid or whatever, when somebody gets cancer and how courageous, they're so courageous. Is there a fucking choice? You know, your every instinct, you have all sorts of built-in shit so you can't kill yourself, right? If you try to hold your breath, 
you're not even going to pass out. Your body won't let you do it. You know, not to say that, you know, facing this isn't, isn't scary and whatever, and you're still doing it, but what else are you going to do? You got to go for, you, you know, my, like I said, my brother's recovering for, from, from cancer. He had to go for eight radiation treatments where they zapped his throat so much he still can't swallow. And it's been a year, you know, I mean, what's he going to do? Blow his head off? I got to keep walking. I got to keep breathing. I got to keep, you know, this is, this is just what you do. Mm -hmm. So much to your point, what you were saying is like, oh, it's so brave and everybody, what else were you going to do? Yeah. Now, like you said, people should have been talking about it a lot more, but I remember at the time when 9-11 happened and one of the comedians from LA was here and he was just like, people in LA were like, I can't go to work. I don't know. This is so upsetting. And he was like, the fuck is it so upsetting for you're like 3,000 miles away from where it happened new yorkers were at work the next day i mean i know because i was at work the next day i was driving home from the tappan zee bridge like half expecting a little uh, 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 a cessna to come flying into the bridge because nobody knew what was really happening but the next day i was at work or whatever whether I, I forget what day it was that it happened but the next day i was at work you know it's like you keep going what do you do i mean it's one of the things that my mom kind of imparted on me. Like my parents are very diametric when it comes to those uh, emotions. Like my dad, when my grandfather passed away, his dad, he was a wreck, complete drama queen, very Mediterranean, like big tears, the whole nine yards. And when my dad's, uh, my mom's dad passed away, I came home. I remember I was in sixth grade and she was just wearing black. And I was living in the former Yugoslavia at the time in Croatia. And she, and I saw the black and like my brain just, I said, oh my God, mom, I'm so sorry. And she gave me a big hug. She said, okay, well, the neighbor's going to keep an eye on you. I have to go. I said, okay. And she went for five days. And I was home alone because my brother and my dad were already in the U.S. At the and she came back and that was that. She was sad. Her dad passed away, but you know, life goes on. And this was kind of like what her father told her. She said, life goes on. She said, I'm going to pass away. I know you're going to be upset, but you know. The, the planet keeps running, the, the, the sun keeps, you know, we keep circling the sun, the moon keeps coming up every night. What are you gonna do? I, it worries me that the uh, nurses, the doctors, the, you know, the people that we're heralding now, commercially at least, as being the heroes, is gonna be tomorrow's Vietnam vets, as far as flash forward five years from now and they're still getting paid shit. <laughs> Right. Well, no one's treating them any differently. And they're like, hey, weren't we heroes five years ago? I, I, bonuses. <laughs> I saw something interesting. This is slightly a little different than what you're saying, Sean, but just made me think of it. A friend of mine who is a nurse posted something, you know, when somebody posts something on Facebook and everyone keeps sharing it and it's just a load of text that's something that people keep sharing. But it was yep. basically like, I'm a nurse or I'm a healthcare worker. I'm in the system. I know what's going on. I'm actively working to help, blah, 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 blah. And it was like, stop clapping for me. Stop sending me free food. It's so, I don't, it's very nice of you to do that. But what you're forgetting is that I still have a job and I have money and I'm making money. I can buy my own food. There are so many people right now that do not have a job anymore and they can't buy anything. Give your free meals to them not to me. And I was like, oh. And a lot of money. Interesting perspective, for sure. It's, it, it's, it's just one of those things. It's like the whole, and I mean, I, I, I almost want to put a thread on, on Twitter about it. And I mean, three people will fucking read it. So, so it doesn't matter really. But what COVID-19 has exposed to me at least, and I, I, I don't know about anybody else, is the fallacy of the capitalist system. So the capitalist system is geared towards the few. It's basically a feudal system and not futile, feudal as in feudal times because it's not geared towards people. It's geared towards a couple of rich people. And what it shows is you have all these hospitals geared towards profit that don't have enough equipment in case a fucking pandemic comes through. When I was a kid, the planet had 4 billion people. We're now like at eight. Mm -hmm. 35 years later, we're at 8 billion. We doubled the population. Are you fucking kidding me? You thinking a pandemic's not going to come through? People, and, I mean, I, I was a bio major. They've been talking about a big pandemic coming through for 20 years. So it's not like the warning signs weren't there. It's like, listen, this is just statistics. This is just math. Where 
we're not isolated anymore. You know, it doesn't take two months to travel from point A to point B on a ship. You get on a plane, and what's the longest plane ride nowadays? 20 hours, maybe? Yeah, it's from like here to New Zealand. I think it's the farthest thing possible, right? Right. And 20, it's like 22 hours, something like that. 22 fucking hours. Whereas back in the day, that was a, I don't know, three month trip. Right. So if you had something that was going to carry a disease to somebody else, they would have tossed you overboard somewhere by Argentina anyway, right? So, I mean, it's just a matter of math at this point. And everybody wants to, like, well, who made this or how this, did this get released? And it doesn't matter. Shit was going to happen. You should be prepared if you're thinking at all. But the fact, it's one of those stupid things, and it upsets me so much. When the 2008 uh, 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 thing happened and they were people were losing their fucking minds over $500 billion being pumped into the economy to save all these too big to fail things. But they just did two trillion, 12 years later, two trillion, and nobody batted an eyelid over it. And they're talking about releasing more money. Maybe we need to fix things because what's happening right now with this whole system is you're pinching pennies to spend dollars tomorrow is what you're doing. If it was prepped, if every hospital had a fucking room that was the size of a three car garage filled with these supplies, this wouldn't be an issue. They didn't. That's like you said. The capitalist system is. is, is it, it, it makes no sense that right. when you're in a capitalist system to make money, a hospital, which is effectively a, a factory to make money in a capitalist system, right. is at its busiest it's ever been, and it's bleeding money. It's losing money because it's treating so many people. So therefore, it's like, wait a second. The whole point of it is that it's to treat people and it makes money, but it's treating more people than ever and it's losing money. And why is that? And that's because it makes all its money from elective surgeries, of which it's getting none because it's having to help people who are sick and it's not built to help people that are sick. We're in a country where the hospitals are not built to help people that are sick. They're built to help people who want elective surgeries for various paranoias and cosmetic reasons, and they don't have the system set up to help a whole bunch of sick people. And all the nurses and all the people who aren't paid a lot of money are all working overtime. Everyone's working crazy overtime hours, and they can't afford it. They're bleeding money because they can't afford to pay. They're like, shit, we have to pay these people like they're really important all of a sudden. <laughs> and, 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 and the big joke is, and I see all these celebrities, and I know their heart is in the right place, but in face, it's like, oh, please donate to your local hospital. They're making money. I mean, I was hospitalized when I was in my early 20s, and it was $1,000 a day to stay in a room in 1994. $1,000 a day. I mean, I just uh, I had a, a, a tele-meeting with my doctor today to get a prescription sent to me because an inhaler that I need because I'm an asthmatic costs me at the local Rite Aid pharmacy $280, but I could get it from a Canadian pharmacy for $85 shipped. And if you're wondering why the U.S. health, and years ago there was a documentary, my brother-in-law was telling me about it, and somebody said, like, well, what's wrong with the U.S. health system? And the guy said, there's nothing wrong with it. So we got the top medical, yes, absolutely. You got the best equipment, you got this, 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 but the U.S. health system is not a health system. It's a healthcare market, not a healthcare system. There's a slight, slight but important difference. A healthcare system is geared towards helping people. A healthcare market is all about making money. And this is why a hospital doesn't have, I mean, what about uh, uh, Amy? Yeah, Sean, you know Amy. Her sister like pointed out, the, her shift manager was buying masks for the nurses. Yeah. Out of her own pocket. Yeah. Insane. Yeah. Mm-hmm hospital why is a private person buying masks that's the whole the whole uh, another reason why the hospitals are bleeding money is because the federal government isn't getting money to them fast enough so they're having the they're having to spend money out of pocket the hospitals to they're having to bid on the items to save people's lives because people are auctioning off ventilators and masks private companies like (laughs) doesn't mean Honestly, this was such a positive episode when we started. <laughs> we have to do like a two-parter. The, the second part is... There's got to be a way we can swing in like a question and then say that ancient theorists think, yes, 
Yes, I, I way to, think that way to tie this all together. I, I, I will repeat this. Um, my beer glass is empty. Do we think I should get another beer to fill it with? Is that gonna be third? Why are you counting, man? Why are you judging? No, me? I, I only had two left, man. I'm yeah, I two left. I drank them both. I'm back on the uh, spicy count. Wait a minute, how do you have so much spicy count? You told me to only use an ounce. Yeah, I did use an ounce of each. And then after I finished two of my beers, I then made another spicy count with more. How did you make that while we were all sitting here? I was like, I was doing this, but <laughs> you couldn't see me because my hands were down here. <laughs> I have all the bottles. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, hey, wow. does Sean Quigley have eight arms behind his shoulder with which he makes drinks while podcasting online? Ancient astronaut theorists say yes. <laughs> All right. I mean, it's only, it's small can, right? It's yeah. Like, it's like a normal can, ounces? right? Oh, it's, it's a 12 ounce can. I mean, and it's like 6.5%. It's nothing. It's baby juice. Gents, six point. I'm a big fan. It's great. Yes. Yeah, ancient, ancient aliens. Where are we at with that? Did we go over all the episodes we watched? Um, let's see. I watched. Uh, What's another episode I watched? I watched oh, the ones you did. Oh, the one that one that had me laughing because it was so absolutely terrible. And I have to tell this one to people: Aliens and Mysterious Mountains, which is uh, that, episode eleven. That was the toughest one. That one I fell asleep watching one and a half times. Yeah, the dude, that episode was such shit. It was literally them talking about how. Uh, humans were always fascinated with mountains and their deities were always on mountains. It's like, yeah. Sure. Right, they got into like the, 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 the Greeks, right? And Olympus and all that. And they were like, they lived at the top of a mountain. And again, this was, this was a thing, like I said earlier, where I feel like a lot of what they did was talk about ancient ideas and ancient beliefs and ancient religions and their deities. And then basically we're like, with no evidence or no explanation whatsoever, we're like, but their deities actually were aliens. <laughs> right. That's yeah. a commercial break. <laughs> Could it be that these ancient deities were from other planets? And then David Childers would come in, of course they were, because otherwise, how would we get a chalupa? This was what the Aztecs brought from their gods. They're ancient aliens. It's like, Dave, what fucking drugs are you smoking, man? Because I would really like a hit of that. It, it, you know, it was absolute garbage. Um, the one with that one was, uh, oh, that's the one that had me screaming with laughter, actually. I, I'm, I'm upset you didn't watch the rest of it. There was a mountainside somewhere in France that... Uh, has been known to have alien stuff. And I'm like, the French have UFOs? I've never heard of a French UFO. Because isn't that just a fucking baguette? I don't know. Anyway, but um, this mountain apparently has such a popular following. I Mind you, I've never heard of it. That when the Mayan calendar was supposed to end, what was that, like 2012, 2008? I forget. 2012, 2012, yeah. 2012, right. When the Mayan calendar came to an end, which is completely misinterpreted, I'm sure 200 years from now, Bon Jovi is going to be some kind of like Native American deity because he was in uh, uh, Young Guns at one point. Um, no, but no. Okay, nobody's getting that joke. Never mind. I, I smirked. Was that? I said I smirked. I gave you that much. I did a little, I did a little, <laughs> Thank you for that, Andrew. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, the French Mountain, apparently when the Mayan calendar was ending, like tons of people came to this French countryside because the legend is that the aliens live inside the mountain, inside the mountain, and when the end of the world comes, they're going to take pity on all the humans camped outside of the mountainside, and they will take them in and protect them. I'd buy it. If, if, if aliens are anywhere, it's in France. Because if you could find a bunch of people who give less of a shit about a bunch of people who are not from where they're from, it's France. It's true. This is like, they're like, I, if you think the French are not going to give a shit about aliens being there, go there not being French and see how much of a shit they give about you being there. 
<laughs> that's 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 why that. Well, look, as we found out, and I forget which episode it was, Sean, that you and I watched early on in the podcast, um, where the guy like clubbed a dude in the head and tied him up in his basement, and he was like stalking some chick and having sex with her, but he worked as like an airplane like car wash guy. I never watched it. I never finished it. I never watched the whole thing, no. But it was fascinating, the 20 minutes that we watched, or whatever it was, 25 minutes. And he has a, he, he literally kidnaps a guy, Andrew. And I don't know, you probably heard the episode way back when. <coughs> kidnaps a guy, ties him in his basement, and he starts talking to the guy that he kidnapped about his woman problems with this woman that he's pretty much stalking. And it was the most French thing you could ever think of. Hmm. And the guy's like, he, he, he kept on cooking him food and bringing him food. And then he's like, well, I don't know. Have you given her flowers, perhaps? And you're like, dude, why are you even talking to this fucking guy? He literally, like, crippled you with a freaking monkey wrench, like, hit you on the spine. And they're talking about it, like, you know, the way we're talking right now. Wow. Yeah. Culture is odd. Strange. There it is. What was it? Actually, my my mother-in-law had the best observation about it because they would watch. My mother-in-law is Danish from Denmark. My father-in-law is West Indian um, from from Montserrat. They love to watch uh, foreign programs on Netflix. And they were watching some French series that she was really fascinated with. And she came away with it and she was telling us, she was like, in France, sex is a commodity. Like, it's like the way the show is shown. Like, I don't know, Law and Order SUV. SUV? SVU, sorry. Uh, Law and Order SUV is a great show. We should fucking do run that. Law and Order SUV. Um, Law and Order SVU. It's if you had that show and every cop slept with everybody they interviewed, that would be this like French show, apparently. It's like, can you do a favor for me? Well, can you suck my dick? Sure. Okay, let's do it. Let's 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 do a deal here. It's like that's what this show was, basically. Okay. To our I- listeners in France, we we're not judging you. We're just curious what happens. I like it. I like it's tough. <laughs> the French the French are an interesting people. I've only known a couple of actual French people in my life. But, hold on, hold on. There was nothing more British than Sean after that diatribe. Like, I like it, I like it, yeah. <laughs> I like it. I've known only a couple of French people, but I like the fact that if I walk into a French pub, somebody will you know, wank me for a little bit, and I like it, yeah. It's true. Uh, I mean, they're our enemy, but I, I, I respect them. I respect them. The, I, I, I got a job once. One of my favorite jobs I ever had was working in a, a movie theater in London. A huge, huge IMAX cinema. We had big premieres. I got to meet Tom Cruise, Jared Butler, uh, Idris Elba, all these famous people. I got to meet a whole bunch of famous people because of all the premieres. But, oh, Sean, you, you dropped something. Uh, uh, oh, it's Tom Cruise's name. COVID-19, I was in an elevator with Tom Cruise. He was like this close to me. I was like, (laughs) yeah. Wow. A lot of Tom Cruise talk in this podcast. Yeah. Yeah, There is. There is. But um, I was hired by a French man. He was like assistant manager of the movie theater. And he hired. And it was one of the, it was the strangest. And it has to be the Frenchness. He hired me off the back of me just being negative as shit and cynical and he just started asking me all these questions that were obviously not questions he'd come up with they were obviously questions that were he was reading off a thing that we we asked people these questions here uh, it was the british film institute ran the movie theater at the time it then got bought out by a big company that was the equivalent of like imc but at the time when I joined, it was owned by the British Film Institute, which is a big British institution. Everyone's unionized. It's very serious film. And um, it was all this bullshit questions about stuff. And everything I had was cynical. And I didn't. And, and, and the thing that sealed me, him hiring me, and I got it, is he said, uh, um, what do you think about the, how about the, the customer is always right. What do you think about this? <laughs> and I was like, well, they're not. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, Tell me. 
Fire this man. Bon ami, bienvenue. Exactly. He was like, yes, yes. I like, I like. And hide me on the spot. And I know which this whole diatribe about how like, how can the customer always be right? They're coming from a place of absolutely no knowledge of how this works. We're coming from a place of all we know is how this place works. How are they right. ever more right than we are? And he was like, you know, yes. <laughs> Did you guys drink any Pernod, perhaps? It's so weird you said that. It's so weird you brought that up. <laughs> because the second French person... <laughs> Oh, no. oh, I've no. ever spent time with. Um, we went around his. It was my wife was working. Okay, uh, I always get sneeze. I didn't sneeze. My wife was working. Um, where she worked, she worked with this like this um, lady. It was very nice. She was Italian, and she was married to this French guy. And we went around there for like a a dinner one night around their house. And we spent the hour before the dinner, like sitting around in the uh, living room, sort of talking and whatever. Just and he uh, he said to me, he came out and he was like, oh, "Sean, uh, you you want a drink? Uh, this is the only Brit here, American and Italian. I think you want a drink." And I was like, "Yeah, I'll have a drink." And I'm thinking, oh, "I'm going to have a good red wine. I'm going to have whatever the fuck." And he's like, he says, uh, he was like, "What do you want to drink?" And I was like. I'll have whatever you think is. And he came out with a fucking perno. With a what? He drank. He, he gave me a perno just in a glass, like a double perno. And he was like, this, this is very So, Sean, I, I definitely know what a perno is. But for any of our listeners that don't know, like I said, I know. <laughs> but for any of our listeners, if they didn't know, would you want to explain? Um, a perno is a um french liquor that is um it resembles it's kind of like a limoncello Mm. that has been spunked in it's been what spunked in (laughs) all right andrew (laughs) it's it's an (coughs) god i can't breathe it's an anise-flavored liquor, like the spice, A-N-I-S-E, not anus, anise. <laughs> mm. It's like an aperitif liquor. You mix it with water and you drink it. Yeah. That, oh, yeah, that was it. That was the weirdest part, is they mixed it with water. It was a perno and water. He gave me a fucking perno and water. Have right. you guys never seen Gotcha, the movie, from, the, like, 1985? Nope. A movie with Anthony Edwards? You learn a lot about France in that movie. You should watch it. Mm. Yeah. I don't recommend a pen on water. Not good. But maybe now it'll be good. I don't know. Now I'm old and crusty, but at the time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right. So ancient aliens and UFOs being released by the Pentagon. What's going on here, boys? Let's start. <clears throat> um, ancient aliens. You know, I think it's a mixed bag. I think you've got uh I think you've got some people that genuinely are the kind of hardcore nutty alien people. But then I also think you got the history channel and those people that have got just tons of history stuff they need to get out there, right? And uh I guess I don't know, somebody approached them with this idea and they were like, Great, we can do it and they kind of just use it as their way to like pump out history lessons through the guise of an alien thing. And then I think maybe along along the line, they kind of embrace the alien thing a little bit more. Um, but honestly, I think all in all, it's just a way to get get people watching history stuff. Because at the end of the day, every episode, they're like, this is what happened in history. Could it have actually been that aliens were involved? Mm-hmm. Ancient blah, 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 blah. Think so. And that's it. And you don't really get... And granted, I only watched three episodes... And I fall asleep in two of them. But you don't get anything significant, really any sort of significant evidence pointing you towards the aliens. It's just theory. It's just like, here's all of these things that happened in history. Does it make sense? 
that it could have been an alien? And it's like, well, when you present me with just that, sure, it makes as much sense as anything, but I'm, I'm not ready to, you know, die on this hill. So I think it, I think the history channel just found a good way to get more viewers. That's what's going on here. Okay. Sean, you want to go next or you want me to go next? Um, yeah, I'll go. I, yeah. So I'm disappointed, uh, because I think it, for starters, I'm a big fan of the curse of Oak Island history mm. channel one show. Um, it's the only history channel show that I have historically watched on history channel. And, um, the very fact that the voiceover man that does that does this has now filled me with dread because mm. for a good eight years, I have been pulled along into the curse of Oak Island because of mostly because of the narrator in the way he's been like, does this mean there is Templar treasure buried deep beneath the surface? And we just have yet to find it perhaps. And I keep going with it. And now I've seen it in ancient aliens context. I'm like, this man is just a, a voiceover actor who's just hired to speak the words of a person who's hired to write words that's supposed to make me want to tune into the next episode. He's not really saying anything of fact. <laughs> and it, it's upset me for that case. So I don't think there is any treasure on Oak Island. <laughs> How do we get to the treasure of Oak Island? <laughs> Conclusion here. <laughs> and I think it also... I think it's very depressing that uh, the history channel, <laughs> its two biggest uh, shows are the Coast of the Curse of Oak Island and Ancient Aliens. This is a channel that purportedly is supposed to have Do history, all of history, to make shows about, <laughs> and is choosing two fictional um, subjects to focus all its time on. I think it very much sums up America to the rest of the world. <laughs> like if it was like the Polish History Channel, if you were to watch the History Channel in Poland, <laughs> it would be like in 1938, uh, Hitler stormed the gates of crack. And we're like, oh, this is, this seems like history. And they're like, right. it's not, it's, it's kind of depressing. So I think what's going on here is um, a bunch a whole bucket of bullshit. Right. What I think is going on here. <clears throat> okay, fair enough. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. And people are getting paid money. <clears throat> What's that? People are getting paid money. These crazy people are making money off... Um, A lot of money. Off craziness. Yes. And I assume they get paid more money the more crazy they are. Like, I guess it's... I'd like to think that when they first pitched this, like the first few episodes, these guys were all like, oh, I'm going to give you all the best information I have. And now they're just like, fuck it. Let's come up with the crazy theories I have. <clears throat> I'll say this. I agree with both of you with what you've said. I think Ancient Aliens, the History Channel, they don't particularly give a shit about history very much. I think what they've been able to do is tap into the popular psyche because aliens are so popular. And I mean, just look at it. Since Star Trek, and even before Star Trek, right? All the old sci-fi movies, everything. And then Star Wars came out and that blew up. And uh, hell, Alien and Aliens and Men in Black and all of that. It's just super, 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 super popular because I think that what they've tapped into is this idea that someone will come and fix our messes. I think that's the idea. And that's the prevalent theory in, oh, <clears throat> we don't have access to ancient technology, uh, alien technology, and alien technology will fix everything. For and there are all these people who are super hopeful that this is going to happen as opposed to just being like, look, this is what makes sense. Let's go this way. No, 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 no. Let's wait till the aliens fix. And the History Channel has tapped into that, into pseudo science at best, 
and tried to pass it on as actual fact. And can it be entertaining? Hell yeah. I mean, what's his face? Action Bronson has a whole show on Vice about it. That where he just sits around with his boys and gets like stoned and watches it. You know. I was amazed that it wasn't more entertaining having never watched it myself. Uh, and again, granted, I only watched the episodes we watched, but um, it's, I expected it to be a little bit more ridiculous, over the top, uh, you, like conspiracy theory type of thing. You think it would be more you, interesting? Some... Go ahead, Sean. What are you saying? No, sorry, I was going to say you think it'd be more interesting when you consider Tomo the amount of episodes we've done here. How many of them have been focused on aliens? Like none. Like I can't remember any aliens. But it's got to be the most interesting thing. And this is just like, huh? Yeah. It's got to be so easy to make aliens interesting. They don't seem to do it. Well, they've had like nine seasons of 14 episodes a season. So I guess they've run out at this point. Yeah, but like 14 seasons. I feel like even though it's about aliens, in the little bit I watched, they don't, I don't feel like I've learned or know anything really at all about aliens. I'll tell you. Don't exist. What, what was that? It's because they don't exist. <laughs> this is such a typical, narrow-minded, North Korean, Putin attitude. Totally against freedom. The aliens exist. And I'll tell you exactly what Agent Aliens is all about. It's all about Giorgio Tsoukalos and David Childress and all those other guys getting along. <laughs> because... They have conferences now. They show up. They're like superstars. They're like the Wesley Crushers of the freaking alien community. Mm-hmm. Love them. Some people hate them, but all of them want to have sex with them. Good for them. I, hey, I can't hate. That lady, what's her name? I mean, I've seen photos of her when she was young. She's kind of hot. So, you know. As far as if I was gay, I'd like bang Giorgio just for, on a dare because of that hair. But, I mean, otherwise. If it... If you want to have a conversation about people who are passably hot, but because of their interests, you shouldn't go anywhere near, try working at Medieval Times. <laughs> <laughs> we do all podcasts on that. You, we should do a podcast on Medieval Times. We got the inside man. <laughs> <laughs> well, those people listening... We joust you cheer is a t-shirt that Sean is wearing right now. What was the bottom of the t-shirt say? It just says medieval times dinner and Oh, okay. So we joust you cheer. Okay. Very good. All right. So that's ancient aliens. It's convoluted. It's strange. You should be drunk when you watch it. Much like you should be drunk while you listen to this episode so you don't kill yourself. Um, let's review our beer. Bengali Six Point. Um, Bengali IPA by Six Point Brewery. Out of Brooklyn, New York, 6.6% ABV, 66 IBU. Gents, what did you think, Sean? I love this beer. I um, It's a nice beer. For me, this is like the quintessential beer of everything we talk about when we say about the whole, um, you know, if you have a barbecue and it's the only beer going, I would be overjoyed. Not only would I be overjoyed, I would be fucked up is what I would be because this beer is small enough in stature that i'm like i have like two of them and i'm like i've not even had a pint like i'm thinking like this was nothing um it's 6.5 percent, so again it's deceptive because it's slightly more alcoholic than regular lager but it's less alcoholic than most craft beers um so but it tastes so it's very tasty it's very light it's not heavy. It's one of the best IPAs I've had in a very long time. Like I came from a place of loving IPAs and then went off IPAs because they got too much. Like we've said over and over again, it gets too hoppy. It's like a competition. Who can, a double IPA, a triple IPA, who can, and it just gets, ugh. It tastes like you just eat in a mouthful of grass right. after a while. Um, but this was, it was light. It was, um, it tasted of something specific like i tasted the orange i tasted like it was trying to do um and i could drink like 12 of these over the course of like a a barbecue of a few hours and not even think anything of it like 
I think, you know, like the best example of that is my wedding. Like, cause that's probably the only time in my life where I'm just drinking for hours on end and someone just keeps giving me drinks and I'm not having to do anything. And I remember specifically in my wedding, it was Sam Adams, cherry wheat, which half of me has a positive memory because I had one of the beers and I was like, Oh, this is interesting. And then half of me is like, I spent, six hours of my life drinking nothing but Sam Adams cherry wheat because I said to one person once I like the beer and then all night long people kept giving me these beers but if this was the beer then I would have been on the floor drunk because I would have drunk so many of them so what do you what do you what grade do you give this um I give it a four 4.3 nice okay I really liked it it's not like groundbreaking it's not like a I'm a gang um you know but it, it is just a for me i'm past the point of lager now like i struggle to find a lager that i would be able to really interest me it gets a bit boring like i need something more but then i'm also bored of the double triple ipas so this is the perfect middle ground for me between a light drink that i can drink a lot of and a interesting brew right i, I really enjoyed it i thought it was very good I, and I'd be interested to try more of the six point. I can't remember what we've done in the past of six point, but um, you know what? I'll look it up. What Andrew? Why don't you go next, and I'll look up which was the six point we did. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think too. I, I've had I've had this before. I've had a few different other six points. They're always really good. So just shout out to six point, um, and shout out to the design team or whoever's doing this because. As the as a marketing guy, the branding that they do is just so great. Um, I mean, I want to drink this beer just because of how cool it looks. And I, I similarly to I think you said something earlier, Sean, about like wanting to pour it in the glass because you were worried that the nice orange was interpreting how you your taste of it or whatever, or if you thought it tasted more orangey because of that. I almost thought, am I thinking this beer is good just because I like the can so much? Because the first one I had, I drank out of the can. So I did pour it into a glass. All of that is to say that um, the, one of the first things I thought after we poured this tonight and we started drinking it was I went back to like you guys have always said on this podcast that kind of the, the old adage is like if you're at a barbecue and you had this and would you keep having them? And I can't think of any scenario where they had this beer and I started drinking it that I would ever want. If they had unlimited ones of these, I just forget it. If I was out and in the sun drinking, I mean, I can't think of anything else better than this because it's a great IPA. It's got all that flavor and it, it's bold and it's strong like you want an IPA to be. But like you said, Sean, it's not like some of these new IPAs where it's become a competition of how bitter you can get. It's not too bitter. It is in a way, it's a full beer. It's not like you're drinking a light beer, but it's not so heavy. Like some of these beers just get so damn heavy and it's not. Um, just all the things you guys have said and you know, I don't want to go on for too long, but there's so, it's just like in so many ways, this beer is like almost perfect. Um, not perfectly perfect, but you know, um, it's a good IPA. It's not too heavy. It's not too bitter. It's got plenty of taste, got plenty of flavor. So I don't know if I was at a barbecue and they were serving it, I'd drink it all day long. So shit, where do I rate this? All of that in mind, as far as beer goes, I love this beer, and I'm counting some of the branding and how how good this damn can looks. I'm gonna give it a four six. Wow. Okay. Four six it is. So uh, uh, I've uh, consulted my uh, uh, checklist book here that we have from all the various episodes. We reviewed on episode twenty three, so early days. Um, from Six Point Brewery, we reviewed the cold shower. Kelsch, which was a 6% ABV and a 23 IBU. And we both, Sean and I both gave it a 4.1. Um, and I mean, to add to whatever you guys have been talking about this beer, in terms of IPAs, I can't, uh, I cannot um, think of any offhand, that, IPAs at least, that I thought were better. Um, in terms of just general beers and I would love like maybe for like next year for our countdown to be basically all the beers we've had on the show. Cause at this point we've had like 78 episodes. This is episode 78. Um, 
to, to, to just do like a count <laughs> of all the different beers and just break them down into categories, you know, uh, ales, IPAs, uh, um, lagers, whatever, and just count them down one by one. I think that would be a great thing if we could organize this, like even at a brewery, it'd be even better. But in terms of IPAs, the only one that comes to mind that I think that, and it's not as good as this one. This is, to me, this is easily the best IPA we've ever had on the show, easily. Um, Rake Breaker comes to mind from Jersey Girl Brewing. That was a really nice IPA. But in terms of beers overall, the only ones that I actually think are better than this one was the Brooklyn Black Ops Stout, which was absolutely amazing. And then, of course, the uh, Amagong uh, Double Ale. Double, uh, double Alley Ale or something like that, which is just outstanding. And I think we gave it like a 4.6 or something like that. But in terms of overall beers that we've had on the show, this one's easily in the top five, easily, if not in the top three. And again, back to our normal adage, which is if you were at a barbecue and this is all they're serving, I'm psyched. Absolutely yeah. psyched. Because I'm just, like, like Sean said, your head, and especially because this can is misleading because mm -hmm. it's a 12 ounce can. So you're like, oh, this is like a Red Bull. I'm just going to suck this down and give me another one. And I'm going to suck this down and give you another one. But they're 6.6%. And after four of these, you're freaking in love. Like, yeah, because they're not heavy. You're just pounding them down because it's like a cider almost. So this is a really, really, I mean, six point, you really outdone yourselves with the Bengali IPA. And, and Andrew, thank you for the suggestion. This is really fantastic. It's citrusy. It's flavorful. It's, it's good level of carbonation. I mean, look at that lacing. Can you, can you see that lacing from the head on the glass? That's, that's, that's absolutely amazing. I, I'm definitely with you guys. I'm giving this a 4-3 as well. This is a really good beer. And... I mean, here's the joke. So we had the cocktails beforehand because we went live to, for the cocktail corner. It's usually tough to, without some kind of palate cleanser, to judge yeah. these. But because we've been yapping for like the last two hours, <clears throat> almost three, I, I, and I've had three of these, the, clen the palate has been cleansed, and it's been cleansed nicely. And I have to say, yeah, a 4-3 is, is easily, this is, this is definitely... I mean, I'm, I'm sure if somebody pointed out something else, but this might be the best IPA I've ever. It's very good. I love. I would. Uh, in fact, I would actually be genuinely really curious to find. There must be somewhere in New York, I assume, probably Brooklyn, that serves this on tap somewhere. I'd love to probably try. At this point, brewery. They're out of Brooklyn. We should try it out. We should go. You know, when this all clouds over, maybe we should go to Six. Oh, so close. Yeah, I think they. I think they have a location in Long Island City too. Oh, oh, maybe. Yeah, we should give it a go. I'd love to try this in a proper pint, you know, draft. Fresh. Yeah, and yeah. I think, I mean, we early on we had a lot of elementary, and the guys do so much great work, and they have so many good beers. And I think one of the big advantages is that we get it fresh, especially. Yeah. Because I used to get them in the bottles, in the, in the big, you know, like the, the, the growlers. <clears throat> and I mean, yeah, I mean, the, the fresh beer is really a huge difference. Oh, it is. Yeah. So, but yeah, so that's where we are. All right. So, uh, Sean gave it a 4.3. I gave it a 4.3. Andrew gave it a 4.6. Bengali IPA from Six Point Brewery. Fantastic job, folks. Um, if you need people to, to give you a podcast that starts off as something and then just goes off into something else completely that's really depressing and morbid, but then tries to bring it back with something light and fun, it's gold, I think. You think yes, yeah, absolutely. We'll do that. We'll do exactly that while we drink your beer. So <laughs> Exactly. All right, folks. Well, thank you very much. We will be putting these up on YouTube. You'll see it. And it'll go up on SoundCloud. And I will probably split this up into two episodes simply because we've been yapping. For yeah. yeah, might yeah. as well. And then we will be talking to you guys soon. And thanks, everybody, for tuning in, as always. And um, just to point out, thank you, first responders, for everything, even though we kind of shit on you earlier a little bit. But no, seriously, seriously speaking, um, essential people, thank you. Um, people that are running grocery stores, people that are – 
you know, cops, firemen, nurses, everything. Maybe the people in charge should rethink how much these people should be getting paid because it just exposed just how important they are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Also some schmuck that's just dealing uh, trades, uh, yeah. you know, Wall Street in, in, in a freaking computer office. Um, how yeah. about take all the money that everybody else is usually getting paid that aren't working and just give it to them? And be like, oh, nurses are on uh, $300,000 a year now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're keeping people from dying and you're cleaning their shit and urine. So th- th- that's the very least you should be able to get paid. Yeah. All right, folks. Well, thank you very much. Thank you for tuning in. Follow us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Twitter. Check out this episode or these two episodes on YouTube. Oh, and uh, Andrew, you have your own short movie to plug, sir? Yes, sir, I do. Thank you. Um, So, yes, so coming soon. uh, Do we know when this episode will air? When will people see this? This episode will air next week, the first part, at least. Okay, great. So when we're recording this, we're we're a week out from when you'll be listening to this. Um, I just last week recorded a short film uh, that I have directed, written, and unfortunately starred in as well uh, because I couldn't get anyone else to act in it right now. Um, But yeah, I uh, basically, long story short, I had this short little five-page script I wrote back in 2016 when Tomo and I were in a class together for uh, at the Barrel Group. Uh, and the script takes place almost entirely in a studio apartment, um, which I based off of my home that you may be seeing right here if you're watching on YouTube. And I never really intended to do anything with it um, other than it was just an exercise for class, but it was just a fun, stupid, kind of funny, fun script. And anyway, since I'm in quarantine here, in said studio apartment with my beautiful girlfriend, we uh, we decided, hey, let's make a movie. And I was like, you know, I, I got a script that'll work perfectly for this. So anyways, long story short, we made that, we shot that uh, last week, I'm working on editing it now and planning to release it on the, the, the great interwebs for the whole world to see shortly, maybe in another week or two. Hopefully I'm trying to release it within this month of May so that while people are still in quarantine, you can see it. And just to give everyone a quick idea, uh, it is a comedy uh, set contemporarily, um, but with a, a noir twist. So think your classic noir set in a contemporary day. And the story features a, a, a nice young man who goes home to his studio apartment to find his ex-girlfriend, whom he is still engaged in a tender love affair with. And he is trying to break free of said affair, but the femme fatale that is a beautiful woman is trying to keep him from doing so. Hmm. Is there any nudity? Not quite. Um, Uh, Then I don't want to watch it. Fuck it. Whatever. There is some sexy moments, though, Tomo. I'm not going to lie. Well, then. Well, then. There are sexy moments. I'm tuning in, then. That's (laughs) And I'm actually... Uh, planning to, I don't have a date yet because I'm obviously, I'm still editing, um, but I'm planning to do sort of a live premiere of it. It'll be short. It'll only be about five or six minutes or so long, maybe a little bit more, but no more than 10 minutes at most. Um, planning to do, since no one can get together to see it right now, doing a live web premiere. Um, YouTube offers a feature where you can actually put something up basically just as a straight up YouTube video, but it comes on live and same way we did the, the Instagram live earlier. Everyone can tune in and comment and things like that while we're watching the video. So planning to put that together. So uh, more info coming soon. I'll, uh, I'll share that as soon as I have it. Um, for anyone listening, if you don't follow me, um, check out my Instagram, Facebook, anything like that, at Andrew Albegis. Um And we'll also, if we can, probably share as much as we can across the uh, What's Going On Here channels as well. So just keep an eye out because we'll have that coming to you shortly. Yes, excellent, excellent. Sounds great. Um, we also have. Um, I've been putting together a little mini series um, about being in COVID called Multiverse Corporation. Um, that will be coming out fairly soon. Um, both uh, Andrew and Sean are part of this uh, show, and it's very much akin to the you know uh, Parks and Rec um, Office, where it's, uh, 
silly scenes were done on Zoom because of COVID and then confessionals. And so you guys hopefully keep an eye out for those. Again, we'll be releasing it on, on I'll be releasing it on uh, what's uh, going on here and, and my Instagram and Facebook feed. Um, will you guys tune in? And the teaser is out now on the What's Going On Here feed. The teaser is on that right. now on the What's Going On feed, on my feed, on the Bloobs, which is my improv team, which we haven't seen each other in almost two months um, because of COVID. And yeah, people just uh, come on in. Uh, Andrew is playing Kai, the head of um, IT. And Sean is playing Frank Cray, the, which who I am making the head of sales and marketing because he's that good. He actually sells me 240 cases of orange soda, I think it was. I forget. Wasn't it? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's called improvisation. I have no fucking clue. I don't know why I did. <laughs> Excellent. All right, folks. Well, thank you very much for tuning in. Um, once again, we thank you for tuning in. Uh, 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 be kind to each other. Look after each other. Wash your hands, listen to the experts, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye, everybody.